Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. It is December the 22nd, just a measly three days till Christmas for those of you who are tracking Santa, stalking him. Um, and yeah, this is episode, some episode, I don't know, 311? Whoa. This is 311? Whoa. Amber is the color of our energy because, guess what, everybody? 2021 is almost over. It is almost done. In fact, this is the last regular Media Boat podcast of the year. So this is our season finally. You said that right. Yeah. I did that on purpose. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. Uh, yes, this is the season finale, season five finale. Season five finale. Of the Media Boat Podcast. We can be syndicated now. No, no, we, we were syndicated like after yeah. season two. Okay, thrice over. Yes, this is thrice over now, so <laughs> these three eleven. Well, I should say, if you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, we are a podcast that talks about movies, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. Um, we, as I said, are wrapping up the year that was 2021. In fact, we have some podcasts special podcasts just for you that are doing just that next week we will not be doing a live show because instead we will have a week's worth of wrap-up podcasts for you we've been plugging them for the last three weeks but now you finally get to listen to them so get ready for the year that was in video games movies television music not necessarily in that order we break down the year uh, all the the biggest news of the year and we tell you what our top fives were individually for each of those categories, as well as pick one thing per category to be our favorite of 2021. So get ready for that in your podcast feed next week. But in the meantime, we have just have a regular episode for you to wrap up the last of the regular episodes of this year. Yep. The end of 2021. And what a year. What, it's going to be <laughs> the year. end here. <laughs> what a year. What a way to end it, too. But we'll get there. So we begin the show as we always do with the weekend box office numbers. And, well, okay. I have to apologize for last year. I did not know that I'm, early numbers had already been released. So I'm you sorry. Were, How many phones do I need to pick up you, uh, to, to call this thing? Just pick them all up. Pick them all up. Because I was very wrong about Spider-Man No Way Home. Apparently... Omicron be damned. People saw a movie last week. In fact, a lot of people saw a movie last week. A lot of people braved the movie theaters in a non-holiday weekend to see a movie. And it did a wild big number. $260 million domestic. And that number just keeps on counting. It's probably rising as we speak. It set records. It's the num- number two, right? Number no, that's two. what I'm looking at right now. I think it, yeah. Yeah, it passed... Uh, Avengers Endgame numbers. But it didn't quite make Infinity War numbers? Or the other way around. around. It beat Infinity War, which was the former number two, but I think it still was under the debut for Endgame, I think is what it was. Yeah, but I'm looking at um, the current box office for 2021, and it is the number one film on one weekend for 2021. Well, for 2021, certainly. Yeah, but it did in one weekend. In one weekend, it, it managed... But yeah, wasn't a high, like a very high bar to clear, as we talked about. It was a pretty lousy year for first weekend uh, box office uh, debuts. I mean, you can just look at West Side Story from last week as an example of this. Just lousy year for number one movies. So this just wipes the floor with all of them. Well, Marvel like 
side box office, bonus box office news, Marvel holds the top five out of the top <laughs> six in this year's box office. Obnoxious. That's just and ridiculous. The odd one out. F9. That's oh, right. Yep. F9 came out this year. That's right. That checks out. Huh. What do you know? Yep. Anyway, so that's your box office number one. Following that at number two is Encanto with another $6.4 million. That's at 81. Still doubting it'll make it to 100. If you did not have a chance to see that in the movies, but you have Disney Plus, it's coming to you Christmas Day. Ah, hell yes. Can't wait. Number three, West Side Story, $3.6 million. That's only at $18 million. I heard um, a friend of the show, Christy, sent me a link about a, a story saying that, that theaters, some theaters are going to be pulling it already this week because there's more demand for Spider-Man and The Matrix. Not just that, but there's five films coming out for <laughs> Christmas Day. So they need room. Yes. They need those theaters. And unfortunately, that's the casualty. You debuted at $10 million and that's it. And then do three the next week, you're out. Like, that's just how the game is played. So, sucks for me, because I really wanted to see that movie in the theater. Uh, but hey, we'll see what happens. Following that, at number four is Ghostbusters Afterlife with $3.4 million. That's at $117 million total. And at number five, rounding out your top five this week, Nightmare Alley with a $2.8 million debut. So there you go. Those are your top five, as you mentioned, upcoming this week. A whopping five different movies distributed from today, Wednesday the 22nd, going to Christmas Day on Saturday. Those include The King's Man, which of course, as the name implies, is the prequel to the Kingsman series. Um, Excited about that one. I bet you are. Your your favorite, your, one of your favorite action franchises. Uh, yep. And then Illumination Sing 2 for the families out there. The Matrix Resurrections, which is out today, is a uh, co-stream with HBO Max. The last in that yearly deal, dating back to 2019's, no, 2020, uh, release of Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah. And on Christmas Day, a journal for Jordan, which I'm not sure what that is. It stars Michael B. Jordan, directed ah. by Denzel Washington. Aha. Uh-huh. And American Underdog, which I've seen Twitter ads for all week. It's about Kurt Warner. How much do you like Kurt Warner? And how much is this really about Kurt Warner? Or the fact that he was surrounded by the greatest show on turf of the LA of the uh, St. Louis Rams. Yeah, I mean, hmm. Makes you think. That one does. I didn't think there was that much to tell about Kurt Warner, but I guess maybe I'm wrong. Uh, it's a famous story told within the NFL how he was a former, or he was a bagging groceries before he got called up into the NFL. Sure. And then sure. took the team to the Super Bowl and made a name for himself. <laughs> yeah. And now he's an, an analyst on uh, Fox. It's true. It's true. So I can't wait in 10 more years we'll get the Mark Sanchez story, right? No, it'll be the Tom Brady story, but he was drafted in the sixth round as the 199th pick. Yes, that too. Anyways, let's move on then. Oh, by the way, we'll talk about Matrix in a little. I have not seen it. I understand you have seen it. Or yes. You so. Yes. I We are planning to see it as soon as Christy gets home tonight. I won't spoil things. So please do not spoil because we finished Resurrections last night and we're ready to jump. So 
or sorry, Revolutions last night. We finished Revolutions last night. We're going to jump in straight into Resurrections tonight. So anyway, we'll talk about that in a moment. First, we got a couple of news stories to talk about. First up, the biggest news story in the world right now is the spread of the newest variant of COVID-19, Omicron. It feels like we've gone in circles here as Mm -hmm. didn't we start the year talking about award shows being delayed? Well, deja vu all over again as things are getting closed down again thanks to the spread of this highly contagious variant. As Hollywood heads into the peak of Academy Awards season, live events are in limbo amid a worldwide surge of COVID-19 cases linked to this Omicron variant. On Monday, the AFI Awards, the BAFTA Tea Party, and the Palm Springs International Film Festival's awards gala were among the in-person events canceled as the industry comes to grips with yet another grim stretch of the ongoing pandemic. The Hollywood Critics Association on Tuesday decided to postpone their fifth annual HCA Film Awards ceremony until February 28th, citing the rising number of positive cases linked to this new variant. Other award shows and events that have been canceled include the Governor's Awards Ceremony, Fox's New Year's Eve Toast and Roast 2022, Hulu's How I Met Your Father's LA premiere, and New York Film Critics Circle Awards Ceremony. So just push them all back, back to the spring, maybe as early as February, but depending on how this shakes out, we'll see. And these are only the award shows that are being delayed. Uh, when we get to sports, we'll talk about cancellations there as well. And we'll talk about, again, when with music, with some things uh, things that have happened as recent as Saturday and will continue to happen through the end of the year. So. Man, is this episode 311 or like 352? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it feels, sure feels like it. Uh, Just forever, forever, forever year. All right. Let's move on to our second story, which is a little bit happier, at least if you're Spike Lee. Or live in New York. <laughs> or if you live in New York. The Academy Award winner Spike Lee and his 40 Acres and Emule Filmworks have formed a multi-year deal with Netflix following the successful col- collaborations Da Five Bloods and She's Gotta Have It. Uh, yeah, there should be an again parentheses yes. here. Again. Quote, there is no better way for me and my company 40 Acres and Emule Filmworks to begin the new year than renew our partnership with Ted, Scott, and Tendo, the fearless leaders of Netflix, Lee wrote in a statement announcing the deal. Not only that, but Mayor Bill de Blasio on Tuesday awarded Spike Lee the key to the city, a ceremonial but high-profile honor, recognizing his decades of artistry and local works. Lee is the 11th person to be awarded the key to the city by de Blasio, whose term as mayor ends in a few days, as uh, his replacement was elected last year, earlier this year, I say. I mean. So yeah, um, congratulations to Spike Lee. Um, He's definitely been a very prominent figure in new york um since he Outside started of madison square garden and nick's games yes <laughs> yeah. and even inside, and inside. Uh, yeah just like uh he is synonymous with the city at this point this makes sense this is a neat way to kind of yeah show show the city's love for yeah. him good job and uh and hey uh, payday, is, payday with netflix don't yeah, hurt her this is netflix making the payday saying that we're going to make more of these films especially since the five bloods got um academy award nominated last year yeah so yeah makes sense to me uh no question marks here i do have some question marks for you though because you saw a couple of very high profile movies uh one of which shattered box office records last week one of which uh, is available on streaming right now so uh which one do you want to talk about first we'll talk about uh we'll put them in order as i saw them so on Colin monday on monday so no on Friday, Friday, 
Well, I was talking about how with my uh, with people, people outside of like working with people, <laughs> um, about how like all the screenings for the for Spider Man at theaters, like they're showing every fifteen minutes, they were selling out. So we're like, okay, if we're gonna see it this week, gotta do it. This now. is the one day we're gonna see it, yeah. and we found the one showing that was available for us. <laughs> and we found the one showing that had two seats available for us. They're like, okay, this, I guess this is where we're gonna go see it now. I guess so. Because, you know, we got to watch it for the podcast. And because it's Spider-Man. Yeah, well, that, that doesn't hurt. And because the next MCU film. All of these things are true. All of these things happen at the same time. So I've heard some things about this movie. I've heard that some are saying that it's one of the best of the MCU. It's emotional, pulls on your heartstrings. It does all sorts of weird stuff. But then I've also heard people say... It's really bloated. There's a lot happening. It seems like they're trying to make two different movies. Who's right? What's this movie? Is it as good or as confusing as people are saying it is? This is Spider-Man colon Endgame. <laughs> okay. Because it, you need to have watched the previous two Spider-Man films uh, from Tom Holland. Yeah. An understanding of the previous two films starring Andrew Garfield. Okay. Okay. And the previous three films starring <laughs> Tobey Maguire. That's a lot of prior knowledge, but okay. Yes, um, because they take one villain from each of these films, each of the previous five films, right, and brings them into this Tom Holland film. Now, is that spoiler? No, that's all in the trailers. Okay, just making sure. Because the other thing I know about this movie is that people are very sensitive about the spoilers for yes. this. Um, so we'll try to be spoiler free here. We'll try to be spoiler free. Yeah, that's fair. So, um, all these villains start invading the MCU version of what's going on because Doctor Strange botches a spell thanks to Tom Holland, Peter Parker, shenanigans. And he's got to fight him. I mean, it's a smart way to bring in all these different villains instead of just saying, oh, now here's five different backstories. Yeah. Like, you have to, like, this is where my kind of, my... Love of this film clashes with my um, film degree of this film, where <laughs> you need prior films to watch to watch and enjoy this film. They do just enough, and I mean like the bare minimum of saying one or two lines to establish everyone's backstory and how they're connected to yeah. a Spider-Man. But at the same time, it makes a lot more heartfelt and a lot more emotional if you've seen the previous... Let's put it 12 hours at this point <laughs> of films to understand this one film. Yeah. Which is why I say it's like Endgame, where you need to watch the previous 22 films in order to understand and appreciate the one film that is Endgame. Yeah. It's uh, So I'm grappling with this, of whether I like it. So as a Spider-Man fan, as a fan of Spider-Man, as a fan of the Spider-Man films, I absolutely love this film. It's a love letter to Spider-Man. It's a love letter mm. to... A bit of New York, and for the past 20 years of Spider-Man filmmaking. And basically how Spider-Man has not only resonated with people, but kind of pushed the boon of comic book movies that we know today. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, <laughs> you need lots of viewing to understand all of this. It does. This film yeah. does not stand on its own. Yeah. If you're watching, I mean... I can get into very spoiler territory of why this film doesn't stand on its own. But sure, yeah. But, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Is because so much of it relies on... Now, now, 
does too much of it perhaps rely on nostalgia here there is a lot of nostalgia factor in this which is where a part of me is aching like this is a bad movie because you're relying on nostalgia but then there's part of me that says (laughs) but that's the good nostalgia that's what you want to see this is the culmination of nostalgia spoon fed to you and i think this is a, a similar conversation to the conversation about WandaVision near the beginning of the year. Yes. Where people are saying, like, is this really just... Like, are they using this manipulative, like, nostalgia for the sake of itself? Or is the point they're trying to make with the series as a whole make it worth it? And so you could ask the same question here with Spider-Man. So they do address the point of it, of trying to... Mm -hmm. Basically, Tom Holland's trying to be the better version of spider-man mm-hmm. as he confronts all of these uh different villains as they come through into his world breaking mm-hmm. the multiverse um thanks strange um and tr- basically wants to do better than the spider-man that they know sure because he's the best of the spider-man or so he wants to be it almost becomes a conversation about legacy at that it point. does it's like what am i leaving behind like these spider-men left behind like comparing and contrasting then yeah but it's also like picking up where you could say these spider-man that they fought (laughs) kind of failed the villains and he's trying to like do better and that's kind of the whole ethos mythos of spider-man is always failing but trying to do better right right than the previous than that before okay so okay here's the toughest question so you've said that it requires a lot of uh, previous knowledge. Well, the tricky thing about that is that both of those previous Spider-Man films that Tom Holland has been in are not available easily on Disney+. Plus. They're the only MCU movies that aren't because of the Sony deal. Of Sony. So it's really hard for a lot of people to watch this if they haven't seen those two. I am one of those people. I also didn't see either of the Andrew Garfield films. So I'm behind. So I can't even. So should I even bother with this movie until I've done my homework? Like that feels like that's kind of ridiculous in a way. Yes and <laughs> no. So doctor uh, that I went to see this with also in your same predicament of yeah, not having seen have seen maybe. So she's seen both the Tom Holland Spider-Mans. Okay. And I think the first one like 2002. So Green Goblin Spider-Man. Okay. Um, and so it's like, okay, I, I understand kind of what's going on here. I, I'm able to grasp a lot of stuff, but there's a lot of stuff there that just went whoosh right over the head. Sure. And like, oh, winking and nod, nostalgia factor, winking and nod, lying right there. Yeah. To which I'm going to catch because I've seen everything, but she's not catching because <laughs> she hasn't. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. Smart line, I guess. Not, <laughs> no, that has layers. That has depth. Like, no, that trust means me. so much more than you, like, than you trust think. Trust me, there's something there. That's That seems kind of frustrating, though. Oh, it is. And so, yeah, and so I'm like, that's the tricky thing about recommending this, is that I, I, I'm hesitant. Because, like, have we gotten to the point now where they're catering too much to the fans? And not making these enjoyable movies on their own. This film is not a Kevin Feige film. Even though it has Marvel, it starts off with Marvel in it. Yeah. This is an Amy Pascal, (laughs) Sony joint through and through. Yeah. This is, 
or her meddling of the Spider-Man end of the trilogy mm-hmm. that they're telling through the They're uh, trying home to say, series. hey, remember, we're the ones who gave you the Spider-Man movies you like. And like, we're the ones who can take it away and go right. play in our own yard. Yeah, too. so 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 revel in our legacy for for two hours. Like, remember how great we are for two hours. Then we'll let you back into Disneyland. It's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a Sony film. Yeah. So, Sony's naming and branding are all over these films, as they mostly are with Spider-Man, because that's yeah. what they want to do. They want to get across the fact that they own they Spider-Man. They still own those rights. Also, if you were ever like concerned about or hoping that Sony would relinquish Spider-Man rights, $260 million mm-hmm. box office says, probably says no. hell to the knob. Yeah, it says that this is going to continue to be a fight for Disney uh, as long as they do as well as they do. That being said, uh, there is one film, one team-up film, contracted to tom holland as spider-man okay and he has come out and said that he doesn't yeah. want to continue playing spider-man yeah he doesn't want to do it for uh, until he's 30 i think is the quote yes uh which is not that far away uh for mr holland so um yeah. especially when they're filming so if he wants to cut it at 30 you're looking <laughs> at the team-up film and maybe a fourth one and then that's it and maybe that's it and seeing as the roadmap for mc for the mcu films doesn't allow that until 2024 yeah he's gonna hit it like easily before that yeah like right at that fourth film if they decide to make it otherwise yeah. we have another spider-man forged a debacle <laughs> on our hands like it's 2007 all over again. hey you know what history does repeat as we've seen this year so i guess uh to wrap it up um media boat scale like is this a you got to see this in a theater to risk as, your as life a, potentially or is this a Spider-Man wait? fan I absolutely loved this film. Okay. But that's also like spoilers and like yeah. having the For reasons, 20 years yeah. of knowledge of Spider-Man films like in essence stoking the childhood within me. <laughs> Ew. Anyway, it's stoking, not stroking. I know. I, I I I heard. Yes. I heard. Anyway, well, okay, let's talk about something Did else. My inner child love this film. Let's talk about something else that your inner child may have appreciated. Something else that is a sequel to um, some movies that uh, came out a long time ago that maybe uh, aren't super relevant anymore, but are, they're trying to um, make relevant in a new a new world. 1999, The yeah. Matrix comes out. Hell yeah. Great movie. Um, great movie. Yeah. Uh, I recently rewatched it. Yeah, it's still good. Yeah, except that if you're like going, if you go into this film blind, it is whiplash galore. It's, especially that first hour. But that's kind of cool, though. And that's one of the things that was really cool about The Matrix is mm-hmm. that they were so confident in what that movie was. They were confident that they could throw you in Christopher Nolan esque, like into this world, not explain a whole lot, and just assume that you're going to catch up by the end of the movie. Well, that's the thing, because I just rewatched The Matrix in anticipation yeah. for Matrix Resurrections. Right. And it starts off as a 90s cop film noir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then it transitions into sci-fi. Then it transitions into steampunk. Then it transitions into kung fu film in the middle of it. It's kind of all of that at once. Yeah. And that's why it's so cool. It's like, it's like this, it's, and at the, like all said, at the same. It's tonal, 
yeah, this tonal whiplash of you don't know what exactly what you're getting. And all at the same time as it's doing all of that very literal stuff, it's also doing this metaphorical work too about like talking like it's a really good metaphor for not feeling like you fit in and wondering what's different, like why your you feel like the world is like not what you want it to and then finding out the big mystery that turns out you were right that the world there is more to the world that was under the surface and then learning how to grapple with that and not, then at the end mastering it but not just that it also has this big phil- philosophical yeah. arc of choice and yeah. what is choice in a <laughs> binary society yeah. but of course then you get the sequels now have you seen reloaded and revolutions um uh, not, at least not in the past three years. All right. But you saw them back in the day. Yes. And what was your feeling about those movies back then? Um, I enjoyed them um, when they came out. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, there's nothing for these things to be based off of. So it's like, <laughs> whatever you want to throw at me, I'm all for it. I'm yeah. not going to, because yeah. well, when they came out, I was like, I'm not going to sit here and like tell you what went wrong. I'm just going to enjoy what you're throwing at me. Right. So I've just recently watched these for the first time i watched them the last couple Mm -hmm. in the last uh week or so they're really messy movies but you're right as long as you have an open like you're opening yourself to the world like none of it's that weird like it's weird they're weird movies don't get me wrong but like for the most part what they're doing is is like hey did you like the ideas we discussed in the matrix well what if there's an entire world we could get into to flesh it out a little bit more and explore those themes more specifically and that's what those two movies are they go heavier into metaphor they go heavier into into that whiplash that you were talking about the tonal whiplash where it's like and then they with the second one it's like oh hey you like those cool um action sequences from the first one what if there were three huge ones that lasted forever <laughs> All at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And then... In three different locations. <laughs> right. And then the third movie is like, hey, you know what? That was fine, but let's actually not do that this time. Let's go all, almost, like, make this entire movie almost exclusively about these people, like, in this, like, to trying to fight off these machines. And then maybe do a little bit of a tie-up at the end saying, like, oh, also, Neo solved that problem, too. <laughs> They're weird-ass movies, but they work in their own weird way. And I enjoyed them for the most part, except for when they got a little too talky. But they're still weird, and I get why they have this reputation of being weird. And I understand why people who really liked The Matrix may have been a little, maybe, baffled by what they got when they went to the theater for those two. And I feel like, again, the theme of this podcast, history is repeating itself again with the newest Matrix film, Resurrections, which is apparently very divisive. So, just like <laughs> Spider-Man, No Way Home, yes. you also need prior viewing uh-huh. to probably watch this film. Probably. At least the first film, because there's a lot of very yeah. similar and on purpose yes. events that happen, which it does ping pong back and forth between footage of the original Matrix trilogy mm-hmm. and this film in order to get the audience mm-hmm. not only invested, but those who hadn't seen right. either, uh, like you said, Reloaded or Revolutions, mm-hmm. that, hey, 
this happened here. This is where yeah. these are from. But the good news, and the way it makes it different it, from Spider-Man here, is that they're all on HBO Max. So if you have HBO Max to watch Resurrections at home, you have access to all three of the original ones. You even have access to the Animatrix. Yes. <laughs> so you get the entire Matrix uh, suite for you available right away. But anyway, so... So what's the question? The question is why why is this has been this so this being so divisive for fans? It seems like this is a very last Jedi style flashpoint it seems where people either absolutely hate this thing and don't understand what it's trying to do at all or they're saying it's one of the best movies of the year. So, depending on where you end, <laughs> the end of Matrix Revolutions spoiler. Yeah. May or may not actually be a happy ending. No, it's not really. I mean, okay. It doesn't, I don't want to surprise anybody here, but the whole story of Neo is a Christ metaphor. There's a lot of Christian uh, symbology. There's a lot of like similarities between there. There's, and essentially, spoiler, yes. he spoiler for the re- himself. Spo- spoiler for a movie that came out a long, long time ago is Neo does die at the end of the trilogy, but he sacrifices himself for the good of the people. He, or does he? Because that's where Matrix Resurrection. This is where takes we pick off. up. So, so yeah, um, Neo alive somehow. Somehow Trinity alive somehow. Somehow Morpheus alive somehow. somehow. <laughs> and they're all in this film yeah. somehow. Also, the Matrix itself is alive in this universe somehow this iteration of the matrix to be fair revolutions does leave it open-ended about whether the matrix itself is going to continue existing that last scene with the the architect no i mean the films itself are in the matrix (laughs) they're talking about the the matrix no like (laughs) they encompass the matrix lore embedding into the new code of this new matrix somehow somehow (laughs) <laughs> like everything that happened in the matrix actually happened in like the matrix right. trilogy of films yeah actually happened and is considered canon lore sure. within the current simulation that matrix resurrections is running with neo in it sure so, they'll be the one who created the lore yeah, of the matrix that yeah that's complicated yes and the movie goes into this i'm assuming the movie literally opens with yeah warner brothers wants us to make a new matrix <laughs> What is the Matrix to us? Huh, okay. And it's like, oh no, Matrix is Kung Fu. No, Matrix is philosophy. No, Matrix is bullet time. We need new yeah. bullet time. No, Matrix <laughs> is like uh, existential reality crisis. It's all of these it's things. All of this. Yeah. And so, like, there's a literal like hive mind of a team basically <laughs> throwing all of these bullet points at you, like within the first ten minutes of what is the Matrix? Like, not only to them, but to the fans, to a focus group, to the general audience. What is I mean, the Matrix? It's a good question. It's the question that the first movie was advertised with. Yes. That was the first tagline. It was You could go to whatisthematrix.com. It was a big marketing push was based on not knowing what the Matrix was until you saw the movie. Mm-hmm. And then some people coming out of the movie not really still knowing what the Matrix was. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, that's where Matrix Resurrections kind of is. That's like it's, its thesis statement, it's, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's resurrecting the Matrix. Of, but why? Why? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. The movie is asking that question, right? It's yes. like, but why are we doing this? How, can, like, let's explore this. Yeah. I mean, 
I get into the, the big stumbling block of yeah, you can't. Does this film need to exist? Okay. Like, uh, whenever you resurrect something like outside of like its its original trilogy or original storytelling, um, what when did I? I recently talked about this on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, oh, um, with uh, Frozen Two. Yeah. Why does this film need to exist? Um, same thing with um, I'll go back to the Disney Well again. Yeah. Uh, Wreck It Ralph. Ralph breaks the internet. I mean, of course, there's the cynical point of view, which is to make money. It made a lot of money, so we're going to make another one because that will also make a lot of money. Yeah. So it's really the but no. But if you wanted to just make more stuff within the universe, you'd put it like in a short, in a series. Yeah, I guess, but it's... what makes it theatrical enough to be a yeah. big enough event to yeah. go to a theater? And what I'm it? what I'm going to say is is that that's the job of the people making it right is to prove that this needs to exist to prove make a narrative that proves that. This is a story in this world with these characters that's worthwhile, that we deemed worthwhile enough to to make a movie about. Not just that, not just the world itself, but specifically what other stories are we trying to tell with these characters? Yeah. What is the big, I don't want to say necessarily a twist, but what's the big hook to get not just these characters, but you as an audience reinvested into yeah. this world? All right, so... We're talking around this movie a lot. Well, yeah, because it just came out today. <laughs> I know, but I guess I guess does is it six? It seems like you're talking about a lot of very high concept ideas here. So, is this movie a collection of high concept exploratory ideas about what the Matrix is, or is there like a linear story happening at the same time here? Is there, there something? There is a that, linear story. Okay, there is a lot of conclusions and a lot of. What happens next from okay. re- from Revelations mm-hmm. that never got answered because it just ends. And the new yeah. kind of Matrix starts and you're like, okay. So end of Revelations is new Matrix iteration begins and Zion is no longer fighting the machines. Yeah. Essentially. Based, essentially, yeah. That, that, that's essentially where you're left off. Yeah. And Neo sacrificed himself. Yeah. So... Between then and now, a lot has happened. So it's a lot of backstory of okay. filling in the Got previous it. years. Okay. Of yes, years of time gap jump between right. the third and fourth film, mm-hmm. but also the time gap jump of. I'm going to go fourth wall here. Technology, right? Yeah. And what we're able to do with films yeah. as a medium, and okay. Uh, that this is the other kind of yeah. level of the Matrix. Yeah. When it came out, was bullet time, and it was right. like groundbreaking technology. So okay, so how much of this movie is high concept meta commentary, and how much of it is a story about these characters? And but or are those things so intertwined? Here? I'm trying not to talk about yeah, spoiling because they're exactly. so intertwined. These things are so intertwined that 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 it's kind of trying to do both at the same time. Yes, with them both having effects on each other. That makes this an impossible movie to talk about. It's a, <laughs> it comes down to a movie about choice. Yeah. And whether... Which is what the Matrix the trilogy has always been about. about. Yeah. Especially the sequels. The yes. sequels are entirely about choice. Yes. Or lack thereof. Well, that's the thing. That in a film, technically there is no choice because when you watch a film, yeah. they will always make the, the same, same movements. Yeah. You can never delineate from it. So... Is it really a choice if it's pre-written and kind of predestined, and we're just along for the ride? Right. And that's kind of where the film 
likes to toe the line. All right, so this is where I return to that original question I asked you. Why do you think this is so divisive for fans of the original movies? Do you think that people going in expecting a movie just like the three Matrix movies are getting disappointed because of how high concept it's getting and fourth wall-y it's getting? Is that possibly why people are not liking it? I think it's because they nerfed Superman. (laughs) And Neo isn't the Neo that they remember in their head or want him to be. Okay. Similar to how Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi wasn't the Luke Skywalker that they had in their heads and what they wanted to be. And you do you think that's a purpose move that they're trying to like, maybe not show show humanity is one way to put it, but like also to like bring down the expectations of what a hero in in a action movie is supposed to do and should be. And again, hard to go into probably hard to go into without like <laughs> major spoilers. Here. Sure, yeah. So, do you think now does that lead to? The action not hitting as hard. Because I did see some feedback saying that a lot of people were disappointed by the action sequences here. It tries to hit a lot of the same notes that that first Matrix sure. did. Especially in the same beats and kind of the same timeline as well. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, does it, it... I don't think it hits as hard. Especially because you know, oh, we're just action in the Matrix. It's a computer program. Yeah, but it was I that really way. I really only f- care about these three yeah. or four main people who have real quote unquote real life consequences <laughs> happening to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's something that, that they kind of deal with in the first movie and don't really touch on in the second and third. Oh, but they go to it hard in yeah. the third when yeah. everyone, and even well, the second where everyone becomes Agent Smith. Well, that's what I'm saying is because what they do to get you to not think about that is that they just make them all Smiths because he is able to replicate himself. You're never thinking about the people who are basically being abducted uh, until that last line in Revolutions, which is like, hey, what are we going to do about the people who are still here? And the Arctic says, like, I don't know. Some of them will go home. Some of them will stick around. (laughs) And I'm like, what? Is really how we're going to wrap that up is that some people... Like, again, it goes back to that choice thing, right? Yep. It's like, they're just going to leave it to the people's choice. Like, what do they want to do? And the People's Choice Awards coming to CBS. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not, uh, maybe not anymore. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. This will probably be easier to talk about once I've seen it. Um, I yep. will be seeing it in just a few hours here. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but I'm ready. I am ready I have, now that I've seen the two. So did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it more as a standalone film. <laughs> film sure and more of as a companion piece to the first matrix whereas with spider-man no way home i enjoyed it from a fan spider-man standpoint and not necessarily a continuation of sure the previous two films that came before so it seems like if you're going in expecting another matrix movie you can potentially be disappointed by what this is but if you're going in as hey i like the concept of the matrix and the things that it kind of dealt with i want a movie that maybe looks at that from like a like a further up point of view then maybe maybe you'll know what you're getting into here yes okay all right all right sounds fascinating honestly this sounds this sounds really interesting and i was blown away by it so between these two films i'd rather watch the matrix resurrections (laughs) again first okay then no way home all right that i mean that that's a good that's a good endorsement i think 
But this is also personal preference. Yeah. So is this maybe something we'll uh, talk more about in our wrap-up podcasts? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. So stay tuned next week for that. But in the meantime, we need to move on. So let's move right on into our television section. We start television as we always do with the sports corner. No. No, 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 wait, no, not no, there. no sports. No, there's a weird Halloween uh, spider back there, but no sports. Uh, although my uh, Shohei Otani jersey is hanging yes. up in there. Yes, it is. <laughs> so that's Close a, enough. Does involve sports? It's a sport. Sports news this week starts with hockey all over the place making headlines. First, by saying the NHL is canceling all games through Christmas thanks to the spread of Omicron. So originally they were canceling any U.S. teams playing against any Canada teams Yeah. Uh, on Monday and Tuesday. And then starting today, as this podcast on Wednesday, through the end of the week through Christmas, they're just canceling all games. Yeah. Flat out, no one's playing hockey. Probably the smart choice right now, it seems like um, whatever we can do to make sure people aren't traveling right now is probably the right move. Not just traveling, but gathering in large yeah. venue capacity. Sure. Absolutely. Then to double down on that no traveling policy, mm-hmm. the NHL has also confirmed that players will be skipping the upcoming Winter Olympics over COVID concerns. This is tw- uh, twice now. Yes. Um, so they didn't do it in 2018. Yeah, 2018 either. They won't be doing it in 2022 yeah. either. So don't expect uh, NHL stars in the hockey team uh, for the Olympics. But expect them to come back in 2026 for the next time. Or so they say. So they say, for now. We'll see where we're at in 2026, which is a weird way to, weird thing to say. Let's move on into the NFL, where they're also dealing with COVID woes. 52 players across the NFL have been placed on the COVID reserve list. That's 10% of the league. Yeah, I was shocked when they said 10%. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. When you consider that, I guess, NFL teams... Do not have that deep of a roster. No, there, so there's only there's a 52 man roster. Right. Uh, so across... 52 <laughs> players of that 52 each team. Yes. Make, yeah, that checks out. A total. Uh, it might be actually more than 52. Now that I'm thinking yeah. about it. Might be. Might be. But still. When I first read it, they had 52 players. That's when they closed it down. I think I saw 10 percent after that as well. Okay. Still, that's a big chunk of it. So uh, naturally. Uh, they're trying to f- fix that, right? Wrong! Apparently, well, they're rolling well, back regulations. Well, they're trying to fix how many positive <laughs> yeah, tests they get. I guess. So they will say, they're saying that they will no longer test players if they are vaccinated and show no symptoms. Theoretically, this does save tests, you're right. Yes. But maybe he's letting some people fall through the cracks, potentially, but we'll see. Yeah, so normal, their previous policy was if you test pos- positive... Yeah. But you test negative twice within 24 hours, you can play right. the following game. Yeah. But if you're unvaccinated and you test positive, you have to miss 10 days. Yeah. Mandatory. No no questions asked, mandatory. Now they're saying that if you're vaccinated, you don't have to test unless you show symptoms. Okay. Mm, makes sense, but also not showing symptoms is how things get passed around. Yeah. Exactly. But, hey, what are you going to do? Meanwhile, the Green Day, Green, Green Day Packers, that's very different. The Green Bay Packers. Oh, the Green Day Packers. <laughs> do, you, do you have the time to watch them throw the ball? <laughs> uh, are the first team in the NFL this season to clinch their division. 
11 wins, three losses. Is that what that is? Yep, they're 11 and three. Uh, Not bad. Even with Aaron Rodgers being out on COVID for like two of those games. God, that guy. <laughs> so, yeah, goes yeah. to show you the, the pack's strong this year. Yep, they are leading not only the division, but the um, National League as well, the National Conference. Are we going to see them in the Super Bowl, you think? No. <laughs> that was confident. All right. Yes, that's a, that's a confident no. <laughs> Because Aaron Rodgers, uh-huh. it's, and it, I'll tell you right now, on uh, December 22nd here, Media Boat f- Season Finale Podcast, mm-hmm. Super Bowl will be Tom Brady versus the Ugh. Patriots. Are you kidding me? That's so boring. It's the clash of who's uh, better. Who cares? <laughs> what I say. We got a giant waveform. All right, let's move on to something that's not as depressing. Well, sorry, sorry to ruin your ears there. Yeah, sorry. Um, in the world of golf, we had a father-son matchup here. Uh, so this the the past weekend was the PNC tournament. Okay. Well, PNC family tournament where a professional golfer paired up with one of their family members. Yeah, including none other than Tiger Woods and his twelve-year-old son. And John Daly and his 15-year-old son. Turns out Tiger came in second. John Daly and his son came in first. That being said, Tiger Woods and his 12-year-old son... Yes. <laughs> uh, ...landed a record 11 straight birdies... Dang. ...to finish uh, 25 under par. And still came up second to John <laughs> Daly and his yeah. son... I don't want to surprise anyone by saying this, but turns out if you have a father who's really, really good at golf, you'll probably be pretty good at golf, too, because he's taught you your entire life. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> he's 12. Yeah, he's 12. Um, uh, other tweets going around saying, like, when I grow up, I want to be 12-year-old Tiger's son. <laughs> I'll play as good as Tiger's 12-year-old son. Seriously. Seriously, if only. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah. maybe um, they have some careers in the future. In the, the future. next 10 years, expect to see uh, <laughs> Baby Tiger versus yep, Baby, Baby Daily. <laughs> well, look forward to that. Yep. Anything else in sports before we move on? No, nah, we can move on. All right. To what, though, is what I ask, because you don't have much to talk about for television uh, yeah. this week. I, I was doing some uh, news, and then yeah. I had to promptly shift my Leave plans. Your... So uh, you have some bit here about the Boba Fett series that will be soon coming yes. to Disney+. Plus. I, I figure I should talk about it now, since yeah. by the time we actually talk about the actual series, sure. it'll be new season next year, because yes. they Disney decided that the book of Boba Fett <laughs> would premiere... December 29th. Sure, weirdly enough. For some weird reason. I don't know. Like, they had to get in within calendar year 2021, and they said, we can't do it on Friday. We have to do it on Wednesday, the 29th, to make contractually obligated you premiere within 2021 calendar year. I guess so, yeah. Well, whatever reason, uh, it will be premiering then. And uh, So, reason I bring it up is because director and showrunner Robert Rodriguez... Yes, that has, Robert Rodriguez. Yes, that Robert Rodriguez <laughs> has been making the media tour and answering questions. Sure. The main one being, why do the trailers kind of look boring? <laughs> why, why am I not excited for the Book of Boba Fett? Yeah. And he said that this was Disney and LucasArts' decision. Okay. Lucasfilm de- uh, decision to do it. All right. Because for all the trailers, he was only allowed to use the first five to ten minutes of the first episode. Does this sound familiar? Yeah. 
This is exactly what they did with The Mandalorian when uh-huh. it came out. Okay. That they were only allowed to use the first five to ten minutes in yeah. his promo. To avoid spoilers. And that's where everyone's pointing to that there will be some massive spoiler or shift in mm-hmm. that first episode. Oh, of course there will be. They can't do these shows, these Disney Plus shows, without doing that anymore. They've ex- they've now bred like the audience to expect it. Like you can't just do a straight up story about Boba Fett anymore. There has to be something huge that we're gonna find out. Yes. Yeah. So, come next week. <laughs> All right, come next episode. Maybe we'll know. We'll talk about Boba Fett and the book of Boba Fett. Uh, So any other news in television you want to talk about real quick? I mean, Uh, uh, anything In tangentially news, um, because it is related to film. Sure. um, Dark Horse comic books. Yes. Sold to the highest bidder. Yeah. uh, They got embraced by the Embracer group. Yes. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Uh, that's, that's not my joke that I think credit for that goes to the giant bomb cast, but, uh, but yeah, the Embracer group has been buying a lot of companies, most notably video game companies mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. So to see them purchase dark horse, such a, uh, long loved, uh, comic book enterprise, the third largest comic yeah. book, uh, distributor in the U S behind DC and Marvel. It was a wild move. Yes. Uh, no, I don't think anybody expected a company like Embracer to buy them. But yes, you're right. This does have a potential effect on um, all kinds of media, uh, not just video games. This could be, like I said, television shows, movies, uh, adaptations of famous uh, Dark Horse works. Yep. So expect possible Dark Horse comic books coming to a screen near you. Could happen. In the near future. And by that, I mean a year or two out. <laughs> yeah, probably. However long the, things the, take now. They're not going to spend, what was the deal, like 250 I think? Something like that. Something like that. Just to, like, yeah. continue making comic books. No. 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 Not, not here. They'll do something with it. Yeah, they will. All right. Uh, speaking of Disney+, Plus, while we were on, still on that subject, you finished off uh, the MC, the latest in the MCU Disney Plus uh, series-verse. Yes. Disney Plus um, and Marvel released Hot Guy. And you put an arrow in, an ho- in Hawkeye, and he's done. Yes. So, uh... So How was this, this? This is Hawkeye, but it's also Kate Bishop origin story. Right. As we yeah. kind of suggested. Yeah, as you kind of talked about this over the last couple of weeks, uh, it does seem like you, you, that not a whole lot's going on here, except for the fact that they're trying to launch her as, as the next thing. Yeah. Um, so in case you haven't been paying attention to the latest developments of the MCU, specifically the stuff happening on Disney+. Plus, Sure. Chances are they're trying to wiggle their way through <laughs> into young Avengers. Sure, yes. Um, one being Kate Bishop into this thing. Well, because all the old Avengers are either dead or uh, leaving the leaving the MCU. Exactly, disbanded. <laughs> yeah, so they need some young blood. Yep, they need some young Avengers now. Uh, so that's more or less what this happens to be. Okay. At the same time, it's a story about Hawkeye who has zero superpowers. He just shoots arrows real good. That's his entire thing. Yep, he's just very, very accurate. (laughs) But essentially, that's the crux of the series. Yeah. I mean, besides the fact that it's named Hawkeye, but if you have zero superpowers, (laughs) can you still make a difference? Yeah. It's the question that is. is the question that 
every single Batman movie is about. <laughs> Except Batman has money. <laughs> That's true. That is true. He does have money. Yes. I would say you could say the same thing about Tony Stark, but Tony Stark has money. He literally built yeah, his suit of armor. That's true. Out of scraps <laughs> in a cave. So what you're saying is Hawkeye is even less interesting than Iron Man or Batman. What I'm saying is that Hawkeye is more of an everyday man. <laughs> yeah, which makes him more boring. Than everyone else. So, yeah, overall, is this worth watching if it's just really seems like it's a setup platform? I like it as a Christmas special. Sure. Okay, but a long-ass Christmas special. Yeah. Uh, it does do some stuff uh, to weave into the MCU some other storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, if, albeit, like, the final three episodes. Oh, and they make you wait for it. Well, it's six episodes long, so the first three is all set up, and then the final three is, here's how everything gets connected to each other. Okay. It's, well, I, I liked it better. Sure. But? But it also doesn't have the quite as high stakes yeah. that um, Loki, which we just got done with, right. kind of the same thing. Or even WandaVision. Like, it yeah. seems like the bar is real, pretty low here because it's about Hawkeye and there's only so much you can say about Hawkeye. It's about family. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. And the Christmas <laughs> and the holiday spirit. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll just watch Die Christmas. Hard again. Yeah. It's fine. That's fine. All right. Any other television? So, yeah, you don't have to watch Hawkeye until no. it actually becomes relevant. Then you can just nope. binge Hawkeye. I'll skip it. Anything else we watched uh, this week? Uh, nope, but I did see that the next four episodes of Amphibia are up available. Yes, yes. So episodes uh, for season three, one yes. through nine. Yes, uh, Amphibia and uh, Ghost and Molly McGee. Uh, the first run of those episodes are up on Disney Plus as well. Give that a watch too if you're curious. So yeah, uh, that'll probably do it for television thoughts. Let's move on to cancellation and renewals. All right, what am I no longer watching? Julie and the Phantoms has been canceled after one season on Netflix. Christy was very upset. <laughs> wait, wait. Was this the one with the boy band? This dead was the one band? with the dead boy band, yes. Yes. Uh, it's bizarre. I watched the pilot with her, and I was like, I do not like this. But she loved it, so she watched the rest of it. But, it's okay. Uh, I guess other people also did yeah, not like this. Didn't seem to hit anybody really hard. Then a couple of deaths this week. Sally Ann Howes, age 91, an actress, was in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Brigadoon, and The Admirable Crichton, among others. And also Bob... Keselowski, 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 age 70, a NASCAR driver and also the owner of Keselowski Motorsports. Also father of Brad Keselowski, current um, NASCAR driver. There you go. All right. With that, let's flip this script over to you and let's talk about some music. And we start music with the billboard and we start the billboard with the hot 100. Ringing the bells, everybody. It's here. Ding, ding. It happened. It's here. <laughs> you know, the week of Christmas is, of course, when Mariah Carey, or mm-hmm. rather, should I say, McDonald's presents Mariah Carey's menu. <laughs> Delicious. All I want for Christmas is you. Number one. Yep. Go buy another house. As it always <laughs> is this time of year. Your number one song, because it's literally everywhere. And number two, Rockin' Round the Christmas Tree by mm-hmm. Brenda Lee. Uh, At three, breaking the stride there. Easy on me by Adele. Drops two places. Not about Christmas enough, I guess. Nope. But number four goes right back to the Christmas spirit with Jingle Bell Rock by Bobby Helms. And rounding out your top five, have, in parentheses, (laughs) A Holly Jolly Christmas by Burl Ives. Yeah. In case you didn't know. In case you didn't know. 
<laughs> as in case for, you didn't hear. As for your <laughs> albums chart, your Billboard 200. Yes. Once again, at number one is 30 by Adele. She cannot be dethroned here. Not even by number two, Fighting Demons yes. by Juice World. That is the second posthumous Juice World record. Yep. Uh, coming in at three, Red Taylor's version mm-hmm. by Taylor Swift. Still hanging out. At number four, Christmas by Michael Bublé. No pentatonics this year. No pentatonics. No. Did not crack the top five. But rounding out your top five, <laughs> Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah. Uh, outdid pentatonics. Yes. <laughs> I guess people are sour this Christmas. All right. A couple of bummer stories in uh, yep. uh, music this week because we have no new releases. No new releases say. and probably nothing until <laughs> like the second week of January. Yeah, it seems like it. All right. First up, uh, members of a congressional committee set Live Nation an open letter on Wednesday asking for written answers to questions relating to the deadly Astroworld Festival debacle on November 5th, contending that, quote, the tragedy at Astroworld Festival follows a long line of other tragic events and safety violations involving Live Nation. Uh, The letter, uh, signed by Carolyn B. Maloney, chairwoman of the Committee on Oversight and Reform, and four other members of Congress, is addressed to Michael Rapino, Live Nation's president and CEO. It also demands answers to seven questions by January by January seventh, twenty twenty two, as well as any related contracts. Quote Recent reports raise serious concerns about whether your company took adequate steps to ensure the safety of the fifty thousand concertgoers who attended Astral World Festival. End quote. Um, it's stated in the letter, which begins by noting the 10 deaths that occurred at or as a result of the festival. Yet <laughs> more continuation and fallout coming yeah. from the tragedy at Astroworld. The interesting things about this story as we continue to report it is that every week it's a different finger pointing at a different person or entity. Yep. We've had an open letter pointing a finger at Travis, at Travis Scott. Scott himself. We had an open, uh, we had that one, who was it? It was Ice-T was trying to say it was hip-hop culture that was yep. the problem. And then now we have the government coming after Live Nation, the organizers of the event. So you have all these different things in the same zone. Somebody's trying to find the blame when, as when we talked about this originally, it's really just kind of a blender of all these things in one. So it's because it's easier to put a face and a name to yes. blame someone yes. than to say tragedy happened. We can do better next time. Yeah, and absolutely, I don't want to say that it's not Live Nation's fault. I mean, if they do, this is correct. They do have a track record of these things happening at mm-hmm. their events, and yes, it is ultimately a lot of that onus does lie on the shoulders of the company who organizes these events. They're the ones who let people in. They're the ones who should be monitoring. They're the ones who've hired the security personnel that should be making sure that things these aren't things aren't happening. And they're also responsible for making sure the acts are doing what they're supposed to do on stage and backstage. So it's like they're not wrong here for targeting Live Nation. Live Nation should be targeted about a lot of things. Turns out, um, but. It's just interesting to me that, like, it's a different conversation every single time we talk about it. But, yeah, uh, hopefully there's some movement here because Live Nation should, I believe, I do agree, should take some of the responsibility. 
Are you just saying that because they're the big entity that probably has the insurance <laughs> back behind them? They have the powers. <laughs> the thing is that they have a lot of the power that the, the, the fans certainly don't. And Travis Scott, sure, he has a, a certain amount of power. He does have the ability to, you know, lead by example and say, you know, what he needs to say on stage and stop the concert if necessary. But there's only so much you can do upstate on from the stage. There's only so much you can do before it gets out of hand. And then you can't physically break everybody up. You're just one person. Live Nation, however, again, hired those security personnel that that's their job. So it's a different kind of conversation. So, yeah, they do probably take a lot of the brunt of this. Um, so, yeah, I hope that they do something about this and maybe make some sort of movements to making future shows that they put on potentially safer. Yep. Um I mean, they're the ones who put on the concert. They're the ones who hire the security. They're the ones who hire or place the venue. Yeah. I mean, it is up to them uh, as the people putting on this festival to make sure that anyone going to said their own festival. It's like going, it's like putting on a house party in someone else's house. <laughs> yeah. You're still responsible for what happens <laughs> to said house and to people at said house at the time. Yeah. That being said, let's move on to even some more disturbing Saturday news. <laughs> um, as we noted, um, Omicron variant is raging everywhere. Yeah. But that did not stop current sexiest man well. alive, <laughs> Paul Rudd, sure. from hosting SNL. But it did stop something else. Yes. It was Paul Rudd host with what was supposed to be Charlie XCX musical guest. Yeah. But no. Didn't happen. Charlie XCX did not perform this past weekend on Saturday Night Live due to the spread of the Omicron variant in New York City. And it was NBC's decision to limit the number of crew members working at the 30 Rock stage 8H. The musician made the announcement that evening just hours before the show was set to broadcast. Quote, Hi, everyone. Due to the limited crew at tonight's Huh? So I just said hi, Charlie. Oh, hi, everyone. <laughs> Due to the limit crew at tonight's taping of SNL, my musical performance will no longer be able to go ahead. I am devastated and heartbroken. Myself, Caroline, Christine, and all our crew and teams have worked so hard all week long, uh, all week alongside the SNL team to bring the most amazing musical performance to life. Uh, Chris, uh, Caroline being Caroline Polachek, which was supposed to perform with her, uh, and Christine being uh, uh, an artist uh, formerly of Christine and the Queens, uh, mm-hmm. who was also supposed to be there uh, performing with Charlie. Um, instead, they had SNL cast members come out and sing Christmas carols. Yeah, well, and interspersed with, like, clips, because the when I briefly tuned in to see what they were doing about it, I saw Tom Hanks introducing a sketch that Tom Hanks was in 20 years or 30 years ago. Yes. I was like, okay, it's a weird choice. Yeah. Um, there's only, I think, like, six cast members yeah. in total. Uh, even the uh, cold open was Paul Red being introduced by Tina Fey yeah. and Steve Martin into the Five Timers Club. Yeah, this is notable for a couple of reasons. One, this was the last episode of the season for 2021. Mm-hmm. This was also their Christmas special. Usually they do a big deal for that kind of thing. Then also, it was also supposed to be um, uh, Kate McKinnon's return to the season after being out for a few weeks of uh, taping something else. Uh, I think she was there last week. 
Okay. All right. For, for like two skits. Okay, maybe I'm off by a week, but I knew that no, was no, around no, 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 this but time. But this was what she was supposed to like be in like most. Yeah, long, this is the return was... of regular form. Yeah, because she had yeah because she had been out for a while filming something. Uh, but yeah, so it, disappointing to see them kind of have to throw an audible at the end of the, like at the last minute. But, uh, but hey, that's what makes it long. Yeah, this, I mean, Lauren has done it that for years on this show. They've had to throw a lot of audibles. So it's not super surprising that they were able to pull off some sort of show. Yep. But. What do you mean, but? The last uh, sentence here. Oh, meanwhile, <laughs> planned performances across the world are being yeah. canceled in anticipation of a continued Omicron spread. Yeah, I slapped this at the end of this story just to to, to kind of as an addendum because this is going to be the kind of what's happening. Our, oh, um, newsflash. This will yeah. be our top story when we return <laughs> that, hey... Yeah. More stuff got canceled. Yeah, it's more stuff got pushed. Yep. Because, yeah, I already saw iHeartRadio's Jingle Ball has been canceled. Yep. Uh, a lot of the New Year's, as you said earlier, New Year's Eve's celebration stuff that has 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 also been canceled. A lot of touring bands are canceling future I, shows. I want to say New York just put out a thing saying that they don't want people gathering yeah. for the ball to drop in right. Times Square. It'll be just like uh, January of 2021's show where they don't do a whole lot. Right. Um, yeah, so... I mean, last year's show? Yeah. <laughs> wow, it's been a year. It's been a long year. Uh, so yeah, been a year. we be- end where we began, in a way, except now at least we have vaccines. So, hey, uh, this is, I guess, the Media Vote uh, podcast opportunity to do our PSA. If you're not vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you are vaccinated, get your booster. Uh, continue to wear masks in public places. Don't gather in very crowded locations right now. Wait till things chill out a little bit longer before you start going to concerts again. Going to, you know, big big family reunions. Just keep these things in mind going forward and hopefully we'll survive, survive the winter. We just got to get to spring and hopefully we'll chill a little bit. I did see an article coming out of Walter Reed that they yes. have very promising I saw this. Um, vaccination. So they have a vaccine that they're developing uh, that will potentially not only address current strains and past strains of COVID, but is perhaps future proof to future strains as well because of its approach. They're attacking it at the source. Yeah. But there's one thing that they need to do first, and that's test it. They need to test it on people who have already been vaccinated Mm -hmm. previously, which is a lot of people at this point. So... Jury's still out about whether this is going to be the, no pun intended, shot in the arm that we need. <laughs> uh, but if it is, that's great. That's great news because that means it's a one-shot solution, potentially. If it's not, we might be doing this we're, for we're a long time. We're not selling it as a miracle cure. Yeah. We might, so just what we're saying is that there's hope and that we're going to keep our eyes and ears open for, for hopeful things going in the future. But for now... You know, just lay low for the time being. Do what you need to do. Stay safe out there. And we're going to stay an hour late and not talk about medical jargon. So we'll swerve <laughs> to video games. Let's swerve. We always love to swerve to video games. <laughs> yeah, we do. Except uh, no new video games. No, no. No new releases in video games. But we do have some numbers to throw at you from yeah. the Game Awards. Guess what? We weren't the only ones who watched them. No. Because the Game Awards enjoyed record viewership figures this year with the shows uh with the show being held at the Microsoft Theater in LA on December 9th. 
uh, which happened to be the eighth edition mm-hmm. of the annual event, was a major production featuring musical performances, uh, celebrity guests, yeah. an award show, and a host of game reveals. Among the headlining audience figures, the Game Awards 2021 delivered on a record 85 million global live streams across uh, video and social media platforms, which is up from 83 million last year and practically doubling from uh, 45 million in 2019. So yeah, this is a rare thing. And most of the time we're talking about how viewership for things have gone down over the last like few years. Uh, diminishing returns. Yeah. We talk about it a lot. This is the rare exception to that rule. It seems like as they continue to do the Game Awards, it gets more and more viewers. It gets more and more attention. And How uh, much do you want to say this is COVID's fault? Because in I mean, 2020, yeah, people were doubled inside the audience. <laughs> playing video games. Yeah, I do think you're right. I think that a lot of this is a side effect of COVID. More people are playing video games. More people are interested in talking about video games. More and, people are joining communities yeah. to play video games. And more people are just straight up home to watch them live. Yep. Um, and so it's a, con- it's a combination of all these things. But I think also, it's really thriving. Cord cutters, streaming yeah. everywhere. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And it's available everywhere. I mean, you could watch this on Twitch. You could watch this on YouTube. And mm-hmm. you could watch this on their website. Um, so, yeah, uh, kind of a no-brainer uh, that a lot of people were interested in this. Video games just keep, being, keep getting to be a bigger and bigger audience. More and more people are playing them every year. Yes. Can I go back to 1980 when someone said video <laughs> gaming was a fad is going to die yeah. out? <laughs> Shaco well, would say, you were wrong! <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's, it, I mean, as for the show itself, this year was such a weird show. I don't know if the show is getting better. The but... show doesn't have to get better. Yeah. The games themselves are getting better. I guess so. That being said... I are they, though? I don't know, but I'm going to pass on this next story and <laughs> talk about the PlayStation Awards. No, no, um, we we should talk about this next story. All right, <laughs> fine. The, uh, the poop and the turd, that is Ubisoft. I know what I said. The poop and the turd? I know what I said. It's poop inside a turd? Yeah, that's how bad Ubisoft it's is. Poopception? Yeah, it's poop okay. sandwich. That is Ubisoft, <laughs> as they right. plan to continue to invest in <laughs> NFTs despite the yes. hugely negative backlash which we talked about last week the ubisoft quartz system which we yeah. talked about last week yes in an interview with decrypt, decrypt. not to be confused with the, the crypt, crypt. <laughs> the publisher discussed the fan backlash to the quartz reveal and called it a major change for fans quote <laughs> we have received a lot of feedback since the announcement and we hear both the encouragement and the concern. But mostly the concern. Mostly the concerns. <laughs> we understand where the sentiment towards the technology comes from, and we need to keep taking it into consideration every step of the way. I love that quote because it's like, we're going to do this no matter what. You can't tell us to stop. So we'll listen to your criticism. This ain't stop it. We're going to give you NFTs whether you like them or not. This was said by, no joke, this is the guy's name and not a made-up programming name. <laughs> Didier Genevois, yeah, Ubisoft's most... blockchain technical director. Yeah. Official title. <laughs> the most French name you'll hear all day, everyone. <laughs> Didier Genevois. 
Um, Blockchain technical director. What's the what's the, what's the odds that this man has a mustache? <laughs> um, high, like her girl Pora. Very high. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um. So yeah, this is just further proof that um, these companies have just been convinced by real rich assholes that this is the way to do it. This is the way to go. That people are interested yeah. in NFT NFTs. My problem with NFT is that it only <laughs> has it's like art. It only has value if you give it value. If you don't give it value, you don't pay attention to it. It'll go away. I mean, also one of the fun. I don't know if this is still true today, but I wish it was. Uh, it might be. But a few days ago, there was a screenshot going around about, I guess, of the. Uh, ubisoft quartz uh, system in action apparently there was only like 15 total transactions days after this thing <laughs> launched and only 300 dollars had been spent and was just getting passed back and forth between these 15 people oh just trying to boost up yeah. their own because inventory? because the thing about this is that there's not a market for it there's a handful of rich assholes like i said that think that this is the future. Three hundred dollar rich assholes. That by are the way. yeah. That are all tr- <laughs> treated. That are all just trading with sev- of several other rich assholes back and forth forever. That is not a market. That is nothing close to a market. They want you to believe there's a market, so that way more and more angels and investors put funnel more and more money into this thing. Hey, it's all that's happening. Here's an actual thing. Will you pay three hundred dollars <laughs> for it? No, it's a battery. It's not worth that much. Just play with me. Okay. $301. Fine. That is, is now worth more than the <laughs> NFTs that Ubisoft has. <laughs> somehow. Somehow. God. This reminded me of the bit that uh, PlayStation did after the Xbox One reveal. Oh, uh, how, how to trade games. Yes. <laughs> they even addressed that in that Xbox documentary <laughs> series. It's very funny. Anyway. That's a stupid story. But yes, it goes to show you that right now that is what's happening in video game uh uh, boardrooms all over the place right now is people are telling them that this is the future but there's no proof they cannot show you what it actually will do for video games what benefits there will be they, they, they just they think there's them, money they, there they show them bitcoin stock market yeah and then they and then they show them here's the meme of dogecoin and how much <laughs> it makes now yeah you thought it was a meme haha I can get pennies on your meme now. But then when the actual pe- people who play video games tell them that they're not interested, they just ignore them and keep going. And this is going to continue being the story. We're going to see this exact same story from EA. We're going to see this exact same story from Activision. Next year is going to be the first, I'll say probably Are for the NFTs first a new loot box? three months. Yeah, I think that you're going to see the same arc. All where right. video game story, the yes. NFTs in the new loot box. Yes. In fact, yeah, if this hadn't all just happened over the last few months, this would have easily been in the running for story of the year. Watch this space, 2022 video game story of the year. This stupid NFTs thing, it will take forever to kill. But it's going to be a while. If you want to know what our actual video <laughs> yes. game story of the year is, good segue. It's coming up on. Monday? Monday. Yeah, Monday. one of those days. So next week, as I mentioned at the top of the show, get ready for our year-end wrap-up shows. We'll have wrap-ups for video games, television, video games, and... Video games twice. Yes, yes. Video games, television, it's movies, so and music. so nice you'll listen to it twice. <laughs> Maybe you will. And then a fifth uh, wrap-up episode that will wrap up the year and everything else. All of that will be in your ears, in your podcast provider of choice, on our feed. So if you don't know what that is, search Media Boat Podcast on any podcast service of your choice, and you will find them there. While I'm plugging, 
let's plug away. Let's plug away. Because, yeah, that's it for video oh. games. And that's it for the show. That's and it for the season. That's it for season five proper of the Media Boat Podcast. Thank you for listening all year long. If you've been a year-long listener or longer, we appreciate you. We want to hear more about you and from you. So if you have questions going into 2022, please feel free to ask us. You can email us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to watch us live in the new year, where uh, our weekly live episodes, you can do so on YouTube. Just search Media Boat Podcast, find our channel, like, subscribe, click the bell for notifications, whatever you like to do on your YouTube experience. Let us join your experience. Let us entertain you on YouTube. Get notified when we go live so you can join the chat. Then, as I mentioned, recorded shows audio-wise are also available. Podcast services, Apple Podcasts, Media... Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, Google Play, Active, Active, Active God damn it. My mouth is not doing what my brain is telling it to do right <laughs> now. Uh, Amazon is what the word I was looking for is. iHeartRadio, any of those uh, were there. Just search Media Boat Podcast. You can find us on media uh, social media platforms like Twitter, where our handle is at Media Boat Cat. No, at Media Boat Cat. Media Boat Cast. <laughs> All those things and more. So. Thank you for joining us in 2021. We'll be back in 2022. Uh, make sure to listen to our wrap-up editions la- next week. We will see you English. in Season 6 of the Media Boat Podcast. Where maybe wow. I will master the English language. Wow, no one can ever master it. Season 6. Okay, we got to talk about like what we did in Season 5. Yeah, we'll do <laughs> All right, it. enjoy what we did in Season 5. See you next and year. we'll see you next year. Happy um, New Year, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and goodbye. I think we may or may not see you actually on New Year's Day. Maybe. We'll see. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>